Topic 25, Third Paper of 20th Century Negro Literature. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Shasta, Oakland, California. 20th Century Negro Literature. Topic 25, Third Paper by the Reverend J. H. Morgan. The Negro as a Businessman. Reverend J. H. Morgan was born in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, November 15, 1843. His father was Reverend John R. V. Morgan. His mother's maiden name was Mary Ann Harmon. At his mother's death, which occurred when he was 14 years old, he was adopted into the family of James T. Robinson of Philadelphia, becoming dissatisfied at some fancied slight, he left without authority, determined to provide for himself and be his own man. He soon found that the job was not so easily done as thought about. Nevertheless, he was determined to win out, so he kept at it, and being of a jovial disposition, he soon made friends and had the happy faculty of keeping them. He started in the business of selling homemade pies and cakes along the wharves. After a short time, he gave up this business for that of cabin boy on a passenger boat plying between Philadelphia and Bristol, Pennsylvania, making Bristol his home. At the breaking out of the Civil War, he was very anxious to enlist as a soldier, but they informed him at Trenton that it was a white man's war, and they were not taking colored men, as their ankles set so near the middle of their feet that when they said forward march, they would be as likely to go backward as forward. So he hired as a cook in an officer's mess and went to the front with Company C, 1st Regiment, New Jersey Volunteers, six months men. He was not down there long before he lost all his desire to become a soldier when the opportunity came for him to enlist. While in Alexandria, Virginia, he started to learn the barber trade, and on his return home worked as a journeyman at his trade until he set up in business for himself. In 1876, he organized a mission at the Kimsey, New York, and being young and enthusiastic, he requested at the next conference to be sent to the mission to build it up. Bishop Payne demurred, but after his persistence in the matter, he consented, saying, well, I will let you make your own appointment this time, but will be expecting to hear from you before the year is out, asking for a change. So, after ordaining him an elder in Sullivan Street Church, May 12, 1878, he was stationed at Poughkeepsie. There he had some misunderstanding with the people, 
which caused them to promise to cut his bread and butter short which promise he says was the only one that they made that they faithfully carried out one day they fed his family on wind pudding air sauce and balloon trimmings and right here bishop d a payne became a prophet because he heard from him and his time was short as in a few days after he received an appointment to albany new york and was returned the following year on account of effective service done at the following conference he was elected as delegate to the general conference at st louis with rev w f dickerson john f thomas and c t schaefer on his return from the conference he was transferred to new jersey conference and stationed at princeton new jersey and with the exception of four years spent in the northeast conference one in the new york conference he has remained in the new jersey conference reverend morgan is the recognized historian of the conference and was its secretary for a number of years and was the vice president of the first board of church extension the reverend is known in his conference under the cognomen of the only morgan his description of things and events gaining for him this title he was made presiding elder by bishop h m turner and he thus describes his return from the presiding eldership to one of the weakest appointments in another conference Quote, milton or someone says that the devil was nine days falling from heaven to hell i made the trip in less than twenty minutes unquote. bishop h m turner's second wife and the subject of this sketch were converted in and became members of the same church at bristol pennsylvania he was considered an exceptionally good superintendent of the sabbath school before he was a member of the church it was during the time that he was a local preacher at this church that he learned the lesson of his life i had a fair smattering of an education and being in business i was always consulted in the affairs of the church it becomes more and more evident every day of our existence as individuals and as a race that a grave mistake has been made by those who have heretofore or may be now making claim to leadership of making higher education the main and only route to the full development of the race the higher education is in the order of specials it is true that we need the artistic structure but we need first a foundation upon which to rest it we seem to have started with the idea that the structure has already been laid which is true as concerns the other man but we have not laid one foot ourselves but are endeavoring to build upon another's and as often 
as we build and finish the structure the other man by virtue of owning the foundation and that upon which it rests claims and takes all under the fixed rule that the people who own the land will rule it and the last state is worse than the first unless this happens at a time of life when the experience will become a lesson well learned and time allotted for a new start along the proper lines it is therefore very evident that the essential thing in the line of individual and race development is business business we discover when properly defined leads in its various ramifications to all roads to success business defined the state of being anxious anxiety care the act of engaging industriously in certain occupations the act of forming mercantile or financial bargains more generally an abundance of such acts done by separate individuals crab thus distinguishes between business occupation employment engagement and avocation Quote, business occupies all of the person's thoughts as well as his time and powers occupation and employment occupy only his time and strength the first is most regular it is the object of his choice the second is casual it depends on the will of another engagement is a partial employment avocation a particular engagement an engagement prevents us from doing anything else an avocation calls off or prevents us from doing what we wish a person who is busy has much to attend to and attends to it closely a person who is occupied has a full share of business without any pressure he is opposed to one who is idle a person who is employed has the present moment filled up he is not in a state of inaction the person who is engaged is not at liberty to be otherwise employed his time is not his own he is opposed to one at leisure unquote. business trade profession and art are thus discriminated quote, the words are synonymous in the sense of a calling for the purpose of a livelihood business is general business trade and profession are particular all trade is business but all business is not trade buying and selling of merchandise is separable from trade but the exercise of one's knowledge and experience for the purpose of gain constitutes a business when particular skill is required it is a profession and when there is a particular exercise of art it is an art every shopkeeper and retail dealer carries on a trade brokers manufacturers bankers and others carry on a business 
clergymen medical or military men follow a profession musicians and painters follow an art unquote. the distinction between business office and duty quote, business is what one prescribes to one's self office is prescribed by another duty is prescribed or enjoined by a fixed rule of propriety mercantile concerns are the business which a man takes upon himself the management of parish concerns is an office imposed upon him often much against his inclination the maintenance of his family is a duty which his conscience enjoins upon him to perform business and duty are public or private office is mostly of a public nature a minister of state by virtue of office has always public business to perform but men in general have only private business to transact a minister of religion has always public duties to perform in his ministerial capacity every other man has personal or relative duties which he is called upon to discharge according to his station crab there has been a vast number of theories advanced as regards the solving of the negro problem but the idea of business seems to have only a minor place which to our mind should be one of the leading factors it seems that the race has been educated away from itself it is not an uncommon thing to see young men who have splendid educational abilities versed in the languages with check aprons on scrubbing marble steps and doing other menial labor their plea is when questioned along this line i cannot get anything else to do to what advantage then has the hard-earned money of their parents and friends been expended to educate them their fathers did as well as if not better than they without it and cannot this man with the advantage of education turn up something there is something radically wrong with the plan of education the old man could plod over the farm in his antiquated way and earn enough money to keep things going and educate his son but when that son's education has been completed he has not the ability or business tact with modern improvements to build upon the foundation laid by his less cultured father let this cultured boy get down to business for him here is the route laid down secretary of agriculture hon mr wilson in discussing the productive possibilities of the south and the problem of negro labor makes the following observations quote, the pressing question is what is the laborer down south who has been growing cotton and is not getting enough for his product to do in the future to enable him to live comfortably 
not to speak of the improvement of his condition, education, and all that. Unquote. The cotton crop leaves very little that is valuable for domestic animals after the picking is done, thus differing from the corn crop of the northwestern states. There is a by-product, the cotton seed, that is exceedingly valuable, and much good work is being done by scientists at experiment stations to show how valuable cotton seed is for feeding purposes. The nitrogen element in cotton seed is greater than that of any of the grains. It is richer in nitrogenous matter than peas or beans, richer than gluten or meat or oil cake. The northern feeder and the European feeder have been using this by-product of the cotton fields to great advantage, while the loss of its fertilizing qualities to the south has been very great. The south has more marked advantages over the north with regard to production. It has heat and moisture, the two great factors of production, and if the cotton grower is to diversify his crops he must use those natural advantages the dairy cow and mutton sheep would succeed admirably in the south but something for them to eat must be provided first the winters in the south are mild grasses grains legumes can be sown in the fall and grow abundantly in the winter upon which the dairy cow and mutton sheep may thrive and prosper. From one-fifth to one-fourth of all the fat of the milk on the farms of the United States is lost because people do not thoroughly understand when to churn cream. The churning process is an art, having much science underlying it, but the cotton grower of the South only needs to learn the way, while the man who teaches him can understand the science. Much yet remains to be discovered in the art of breeding animals, but enough is known to indicate to the instructor of the colored cotton grower of the South, who is to be diverted into work of this kind, to enable him to breed his herd intelligently. The South can prepare the spring lamb much earlier than the north can the southern landowner understands horse racing there is always a greater demand for saddle horses than is supplied the world wants carriage and draft horses and good roadsters early spring chickens the broilers can be produced down there because of the milder winters and milder springs than we have, and the northern market can be supplied. Should the market be oversupplied, we can send this product abroad in the refrigerating compartments of steamships. The colored man is learning the trades at Tuskegee. He is mining coal and working the manufacturer of iron at Birmingham. We quote this gentleman, who is without doubt authority on this special line and therefore worthy of serious and careful consideration 
to support the point we make that this problem must be worked out along lines especially along business lines business opportunities hawaii puerto rico and the philippines are absolutely ours the philippines are said to be as large as the new england states including new york and new jersey hawaii is about the size of new england puerto rico the size of connecticut hawaii with a population of a hundred and nine thousand puerto rico nine hundred thousand philippines eight million and very few whites a climate in which the anglo-saxon it is said cannot stay for any great length of time and it is rich in all those things which are desirable by the white man these acquisitions must be developed by american genius and capital and as the white american cannot stay there the year round to develop the same what better agent to do this work than the afro-american who has been schooled in american ideas and customs and usages is not this an opportunity given by providence to commence business building the race should cease pleading to be the wards of the nation cease waiting for something to turn up or have somebody to do something for them but should unite their forces and turn up something for themselves the people who own the country if intelligent and thrifty will rule and run it what coleman has done in north carolina in a business way could be done in a majority of the states to a greater or less extent small factories could be arranged for where our people could be employed in producing the commodities of life some time ago it was said that a large tract of land had been arranged for backed by a number of tammany hall capitalists factories were to be built to give employment to the settlers deeds for lots were to be given at a nominal cost the project was opposed by some of our so-called leaders because it was backed by tammany but it is the very thing needed no matter who backs it up it is the businessmen who run the country it is they who put the millions to work and keep the mighty dollar in circulation we must enter the business world and by pluck tact and thrift live while we are living and die when we cannot do otherwise the man who thinks almighty god when the news of disaster comes from land or sea that no loss comes to him is not so wise in the sight of god or man as he who can thank god that the interest on accrued stock had advanced an hundredfold before the crash came End of Topic 25, Third Paper